Well, good morning again. Glad you're here with us. I, I don't know if you may remember about four years ago, um, the elders sent out a letter to the congregation about um, transitions, staff transitions that were going to be happening in the in the future. And well, that future arrived, and we said goodbye to some key staff people. Uh, but God has been so faithful as. Um, really, really faithful, and I just wanted to publicly express that to the Lord, because um, we're so grateful to have Brian Weir on board with our children's ministry, and, and Ben Sanford as our director of, uh, or our pastor of uh, discipleship, and um, really appreciated what uh, Tim had to share the last four weeks on this, on those prayers of, of the Apostle Paul. What, what matters most? You, you look at the prayers of Paul, and you know, when he's praying from the heart, that clearly is, you can see what mattered to Paul, and he expressed that uh, in those in those prayers. Um, so, we want to continue that that idea of uh, what matters most to God. Uh, I want to fine tune it a little bit as we talk about our core values. And uh, if you're watching online, we're glad that you're doing that live streaming and down in F3 as well. Um, I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Now, if, if you're new here at Fellowship Bible Church, this may be the first time you've heard our mission statement. We have a, a purpose statement, a mission statement, and we word it this way. Uh, out of a desire to glorify God, can put that up. Out of a desire to glorify God as a spiritual community, the mission of Fellowship Bible Church is to prepare and deploy dependent disciples of Jesus Christ who are change agents. They change their world for Christ as they're being changed by Christ. That's our mission statement. We desire to prepare and deploy dependent disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference in our world. Uh, it might be the world of our families, the world of our of our neighborhood, uh, of, of our schools, of our place of employment, our greater world, the world around us, um, and to the othermost part of the world. Uh, preparing and deploying dependent disciples. But when we talk about preparing and deploying dependent disciples, a key question is, so what is a disciple? I mean, what's, what's one of these birds look like? What, what are we trying to produce here at Fellowship Bible Church? What is on our minds, our hearts, as we plan ministries, as we think now into the fall and events and activities that are going to be coming up? What, what's, what's, in, what's, what's the mindset that we want to have? What is a disciple? What does a disciple look like? Well, we could say very simply, a disciple looks like Jesus. Uh, Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 10, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple to become like his teacher and for the slave to become like his master. Jesus said that's what a disciple is. It's someone who is uh, looking like, he says, I look like. A disciple, a follower of Jesus, is someone who is ever increasingly becoming more and more like Jesus. And so we often say here at Fellowship Bible Church, why do we exist because we want all of us to look a little bit more like Jesus at the end of the year than we look like at the beginning of the year. 
to prepare and deploy dependent disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's where our core values come in, because really our core values, what we call our five core values here at Fellowship Bible Church, are, um, they're valuable in the sense that these are things that we want to see built into the life of everybody who comes here to Fellowship Bible Church, because we believe these five core values are descriptions of what a disciple looks like. Descriptions of what a disciple looks like. A disciple of Jesus is someone who loves God like Jesus. See, we want to see people who are developed here who love truth like Jesus, who love their families like Jesus, who love the spiritual family like Jesus, and who love the world with that love that Jesus has love God and love truth and love their families and love the church and, and love the world. That's the mission of Fellowship Bible Church. Um, simply stated, again, we want to help each of you become more like Jesus through the ministries, through the teaching of the Word, through what we provide here at Fellowship Bible Church. Now, today, I just want to uh, briefly look at that first core value. Uh, our desire is that we would all increasingly, ever increasingly, grow in our love for God. Grow in our love for God. Uh, and that's where Mark chapter 12 comes in, because Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, it says, One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? What commandment is the foremost of all? Now, this scribal question uh, took place at the final week of Christ's life, and Jesus is being bombarded with all sorts of questions by the religious leaders of the day. And the scribes were bedfellows with, the, with those religious elite, the, the Pharisees, and they were trying to trip Jesus up. But this guy asks a very pertinent question because the religious leaders uh, for centuries in Judaism wrestled with and argued and debated what's the most important commandment in the old testament you can count them there's something like 613 old testament commandments that were laid out which is the most important and so the scribe asked jesus that very important question what is the most important question and jesus's answer was here's the foremost of all hear o israel the Lord your God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What is, the, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all that you are. Now, that answer must have really satisfied this religious leader because in verse 32 and 33, he said to Jesus, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself, it's much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. You see, Jesus had it right because he was really quoting from the Old Testament law and the scribe knew that. It's the great Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is God. The Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and your neighbor as yourself. It was a no-brainer. I mean, if Jesus had missed this one, well, he wouldn't have been the Messiah. What is the greatest commandment? It's right there in the Old Testament. 
love God with every fiber of your being. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees uh, prided themselves as, uh, as careful uh, uh, observers of the law. I mean, they dotted every I carefully. They crossed every T carefully. I mean, they were squeaky clean, they thought, in terms of the law. They, they, they prided themselves that they were the epitome of law keepers. And therefore, they could conclude, well, we must be great lovers of God because we're keeping the law right. And so they puffed themselves up. But you did notice that when Jesus spoke of loving God, he talked about internal realities within a person, not just outward conformity like the Pharisees were doing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Internal realities, not just outward conformity. Now, don't get me wrong. Obedience to the laws of God are, are crucial. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But notice the order. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keeping commandments flows out of love for God. So the foremost commandment is to love the Lord your God because out of that flows the life of obedience. But now here's the rub. Again, the Pharisees, the scribes, these religious leaders in Jesus' day prided themselves in how fastidious they kept the law and they did how carefully they observed it in fact they added all sorts of other commandments to help the jewish people obey those other commandments that were written in the mosaic law but jesus said this about them he indicted them in matthew 15 by saying you hypocrites rightly did isaiah prophesy of you this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far away from me. And you know what Jesus is saying here? Oh, you can dot every I and cross every T in terms of outward conformity, but not fulfill the foremost commandment, to love God. That's why Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with every fiber of your being with all your heart and soul and mind, all everything that makes you you in terms of the internal reality. One commentator put it this way, love for God is an inner force which attaches itself to God in a personal way and which naturally then issues in a life of loyalty and commitment. You know, love, love, just the concept of love, it's kind of like trying to nail jello to the wall. I love you. And um, what does that mean? And so naturally we try to put um, outward uh, expressions that, that looks like it must be love. But what Jesus is saying, no, it's, there's something that starts deep within you. Like this writer said, there's an attachment to God in a personal way. There's a deep affection. There's a there's a deep longing, desire, um, a passion, 
an attraction to God. It's the totality of all that you are that moves towards God in affection and a desire to know Him and then serve Him. A true disciple, Jesus is saying, is someone who loves God with the totality of their being. Not just external actions, rigid conformity, but something that is deep internally. That is the foremost commandment. Folks, do you love God with that depth, with that passion? Do we love Him? And we can say at this point, well, yeah, I'm gonna, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to redouble my efforts. To, I'm going to show God I love Him. And as uh, Tim shared with us earlier in the last couple weeks, uh, we can try harder, but it doesn't mean we're going to achieve it if we're not trusting Him more and more. It's not a matter of leaving here and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to grip my teeth. Yeah, I heard a message today about loving God. It's a foremost commandment. It's a core value at Fellowship Bible Church. Calling us to love God. Man, I'm going to go out there and I'm going, to, I'm going to show him this week how much I love him. Or we could leave here and say, good night, I'm never going to achieve that. I, I don't have it in me. I'll be honest with you. I just don't, I, I like my entertainment. I like my leisure time. I like, I kind of like orienting my life around me or, or my family. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I could ever fulfill the foremost commandment in fact there's a, many a sermon are dedicated to um, cracking the whip over people's head on a Sunday morning you know, and saying alright folks you got to love God better you got to get out there and love him more because that's what a disciple is you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ you get out there and you love God like you've never loved him before wow we whip people up well th this is where John comes in in his first epistle. So let's go now over to John, 1 John chapter 4. And I love how John puts this in John chapter 4, the encouragement he gives us along this road of discipleship. John chapter 4, starting in verse 16. It says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And by this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. We love because he first loved us. Now, notice what John is saying here. If we know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, if there was a point in our spiritual journey that we heard this good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life the moment we put our trust and faith in Jesus as our only way to heaven, as our only hope of eternal life because of what he did on the cross, paid for our sins with his own blood and he rose again triumphant. And when we transfer our trust off of ourselves and our good works and our attempts at achieving God's favor, 
and realize we're destitute. We'll never be able to do that on our own. And we transfer our trust to Jesus and we say, I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. I put my trust in you. The moment we transfer our trust onto Jesus, the Bible says we have everlasting life. And what John is saying here in verse 16 is that we've come to know and believe that God loves us. It's in that gospel message. It's in the message of the cross where the love of God shouts to us. And every one of us who've trusted Jesus as our Savior have experienced that love of God. You've come to know it, you've come to believe it in the moment of the gospel when it was shared with you. He said in chapter 9, or chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, just to explain it a little bit more, he said, by this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, to be the satisfaction, to satisfy his righteous demands about our sin. Jesus satisfied God in our behalf for our sins. In just a few moments, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's table. And what we're going to be celebrating is what Jesus did for us. We're going to be celebrating the love of God, the richness, the depth, the wonder of God's love for undeserving sinners. As we take that little wafer, it's the commemorates it it reminds us of the body of christ that was broken for us out of love we peel back that little cellophane and we take that juice it reminds us that it was christ's blood that was shed for me because he loved me we've come to know we've come to believe that god loves us by this the love of god was manifested in what Christ has done. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God loves us. We're the recipients of God's love. We've come to know and believe that. But notice what else John is telling us in verse 16. He says that God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. It's a favorite term of John's in his gospel and well as his epistles, abide abiding and what john is saying here is referring to a fellowship of, of communion with god he is saying that if you abide in that love you're abiding in god and god abides in him you're having communion you're you're fellowship shipping you're meditating you're as you abide you're you're ruminating on it you're you're rehearsing you're you're living it out in the lives towards other people you are swimming in the love of god it occupies your mind it occupies your heart you it's like you can't stop thinking about god's love that's abiding in his love it's not just an afterthought that we remember say once a month when we have communion service it's kind of a moment by moment we get up in the morning and we think my goodness god loves me can you imagine that it's abiding in his love uh, again in just a few moments we'll be having the communion service that communion service that time is an act of abiding in his love we're talking about it we're going to express it in communion we're abiding in his love and then notice what john says next 
He says, and by this, love is perfected with us. By what? As you abide in that love, as you rehearse it, as you swim in it, as you think about it, as you meditate on it, as you relish the thought of being loved by God, as it grows more and more important to you, by this, that love now becomes perfected with us so that we now can have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. There's the definition of a disciple, becoming more and more like Jesus. As he is, so we are. Because that love is being perfected in us. It's maturing, it's, 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 it's manifesting itself through us more and more and more. Why? Because we're abiding in the love of God. It's important to us. We're considering it over and over and over again. It, 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 we just keep being amazed at how God loves us. And by this, that love now becomes perfected so that we actually are growing in our love for God. We're growing in love for His truth. And it's flowing out in love for our families and our spiritual family and, and, and even into the world. It's being perfected because we're abiding in that love more and more manifested. And then we're fulfilling that foremost commandment. Love the Lord your God with every fiber of your being. I can't do that, God. Oh, what well, you don't have to. You just keep being reminded of my love for you. And you don't ever forget it. And you celebrate it and you contemplate it, and you get up in the morning and you sing a song of praise to God because He loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And as we focus on His love for us, that love is being perfected in us. More and more, we're becoming more like Jesus and His love. And we reflect that love back to Him and back to others, and we fulfill the foremost commandment. And my discipleship journey is then being perfected as well. Now John sums it all up when he says in verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. What's the foremost commandment? Love the Lord your God with every fiber of your being. How do we do that? By focusing on his love for me. We love him because he first loved us. And again, here at Fellowship Bible Church, we want to help each other grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, but it starts first and foremost with a, a celebration of remembering, I am loved by God. He loves me with an everlasting love. It's ever increasingly looking to the cross, the picture of God's love, always being reminded of how much I'm loved. And then I abide in that truth. I abide, abide, I remain in that love. I swim in it. I meditate on it. And it becomes more and more and more precious to me. I'm loved by God. As we kind of wrap up now this morning and we'll continue then our worship with 
with the communion service and with uh, singing and, and reflecting uh, on God's love. I just want to mention three things by way of application. How, how, how can we abide in his love? How can that be perfected in us? Let me just give you three suggestions. First of all, just spend some time reflecting on key passages of Scripture that talk about God's love. I need to be reminded all the time. Like Romans chapter 8, the last part of Romans chapter 8, nothing will separate me from the love of God. Because you see, we're in a spiritual warfare, right? And, and the, the evil one certainly is the accuser of the brother, it says in the book of Revelation. And he likes to perch on my shoulder. I don't know about yours. I'm sure he does. And he gets into my ear and says, you don't deserve that. What did you say to that person? What did you just think? Why, you better, <laughs> you better check your heart because uh, you just lost some real value before God. He accuses us. Folks, I've got to keep going back to a passage like Romans chapter 8 that says nothing, nothing, you fill in the blank, whatever you've done this week. And I realize, oh, that gets a little scary. Now you're giving people a, a, a you know, license to do whatever they want. Can I be very, very blunt with you? You can do whatever you want to do and will not diminish God's love for you. That is the depth of God's love. But the more you know the love of God, the more you're going to serve Him. It's going to be a natural outflow because if you love Him, you're going to keep His commandments. Or a passage like we just read in 1 John 4, this is love, not that we loved Him, but that He loved us. He sent His Son. So, so we go back to the Scriptures. So Ephesians chapter 2 um, God was rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, He made us alive together with Christ. He seated us in the heavenlies. His great love with which He loved us. Or as Tim Sanford shared from chapter 3 of Ephesians, that, that prayer of Paul starting in verse 14, um, he just prays that we will comprehend the the depth, the length, the height, the width, the, the depth of, of God's love for us. That we will comprehend, come to know in an experiential way how truly loved by God we are. You go to the Psalms and you can see a Psalm like Psalm 36 that says, Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. So reflect on the Scriptures. Be reminded of how great God's love is and that nothing separates us from His love. Second of all, respond. Just thank Him. Have a conversation with God and tell Him. He never gets tired of listening. And you just tell Him, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for, for loving me with an everlasting love. And just go to him, and you can be driving down the road and, and just remind yourself to thank the Lord that he's given you life and breath and an ability to know him and to, and to be loved by him. The creator of the ends of the, of, of the universe, 
the almighty omnipotent God. Folks, are you getting this? I pray that the Holy Spirit of God this morning will just grab our hearts and be thought that you are loved by God with an everlasting love. There's not a person in this room who deserves it. And is there a liar here who wants to stand up and says, I deserve the love of God? Come on, stand up now if you think you deserve God's love. We don't. And he does. And that ought to just grab our hearts and the passion and, and affection for him. So give him thanks. Give him glory that he loves us when we don't deserve it. Thirdly, let me just suggest, relate the story of God's love to, to others. Verbally, just tell people. Yeah, they might think you're nuts, but to, to, just come up to a perfect stranger and say, do you know, <laughs> I'm loved by God, and you are too. Or express it in deeds of kindness. Express that love to believers or unbelievers alike. Um, reflect on the scriptures. Respond by thanking God and relate the story to others. And as we do, I think we grow more and more as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Serious business, this stuff called preparing and deploying dependent disciples of Jesus Christ. We were passing through this life, and it's going by awfully quickly. And there is an eternity that awaits. There really is. That's why John said there in verse 17, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Every one of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There is a day coming where we will stand and give an account before him as followers of Jesus, as his children. He's going to call us into account. But as we grow in our love for him, by understanding how loved we are by him, we have confidence in the day of judgment. Because the natural outflow of understanding we are loved by God is a response back to him. Our love, that love is perfected in us. And we grow on our love for him, we grow on our love for others, and we will stand with confidence before the judgment seat of Christ on that day. Discipleship is serious work. It's serious business. It starts by understanding, man, does God love me or what? A few weeks ago, Lisa and I were in Nebraska visiting family and friends. I think we talked to half of the state of Nebraska in two weeks. And um, we were sitting across the table one uh, uh, Thursday noon, across the table from a 66-year-old man at the Cheesecake Factory, trying to figure out uh, one thing to eat from that whole menu that they have. We got talking with this guy who a few years before had told us, you know, I've got everything a man would want. And, and that was true. Very successful businessman. Very, very successful. But a couple of years ago, he says, I've got everything I want, but I am probably the most miserable man around. He's a, he's a believer in Jesus Christ. There was a reason for that misery. Because he was not living for Jesus. A lot of living for self. But a couple of weeks ago, we sat there with this same guy, and now tears are coming in his eyes 
as he says, you know, I don't deserve anything I have. God has been so good to me. And he leaned over. He really, really loves me. And I don't deserve it. And he wept. The reality that he's loved by God. And he doesn't deserve it. That was Lisa's brother. As we see him grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Do you love him? No, pray. Pray that God will help us love God more. And the way that begins and happens is when we are just enamored with the thought that Almighty God loves me. How can it be? Would you bow your head in prayer? Our Father, we need to be reminded so often that we have a Savior who died and rose again, who went to the cross after stepping from his throne of glory and in love while we were yet sinners, he died. And Father, as we relish that thought, as we meditate on it, as we recall it to mind over and over, as we convey it to one another, something marvelous begins to happen in our souls. And that is we grow in our love for you. We grow in our love for one another. And that foremost commandment is fulfilled in us. Not because we've tried harder, but because we have sat in, in, in the wonderful understanding. We've, we've meditated. We've, we've just sat and considered. I, I am loved with the deep, deep love of God. And so we thank you. As we continue our time of worship now, may we express it, Father, in a way that honors you, pleases you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.